We have some good things to get into today. I've got a lot of scripture for you and um, talking about just Shabbat kind of in general, some questions brought up about and just kind of like, why do we do what we do, you know, kind of thing other than, you know, you can always default back to, well, because Yahweh said, right? (laughs) Why do we do? Because Yahweh said to do it. But yet we see different places in scripture where we we see how some things that that in our understanding, how do we make things fit? How do we see these things working together? We're going to address some of these things today. Because when you talk about Shabbat, uh, especially if someone's not Jewish, it's like, well, so why do I need to uh, keep Shabbat? Because, you know, I'm not Jewish, right? Well, here's here's one thing, and, and just a lot of the scriptures we're going to give today is going to go into a lot of these things. But, you know, Shabbat was given before there was anyone even called Jewish, you know, in the creating of everything, back in the creating of the days, right? So what does that mean for us? How do we do these things? And consider this as well, that a lot of the, the people in Yeshua's day, they were, Yeshua had issue with the people because they had all these things they had to do. You know, these, you, you, what often called, you know, the rules and regulations and all these things we're getting into. You have to do this, you can't do that, and all these things. And it's just a matter of, okay, but why do you do the things that you do? You know, you can force anything on anyone and it can be a burden, but it's different when you want to do something, isn't it? And see, this is one of the things we're looking at, especially when it comes to honoring Yahweh, serving Him, and, and keeping Shabbat. It's different when you want to have that time with Him. And that means we're, we're kind of cutting off everything else from the rest of the week, the, the, the six days of the week, and the rest of the world can wait, you know? It's like everything throughout the whole week, it's, it's vying for our time and our attention, and it can be hindrances and distractions to the things that Yahweh has given us, right? We know that when Moshe went to go to Pharaoh, right? Moshe and Aaron and the elders they went to Pharaoh, they said, let my people go three days into the wilderness so they can hold a festival to Yahweh. And how did Pharaoh respond? They just, people have too much time on their hands. Let's make them so busy so they don't have the time to even stop to think about worshiping their God. Does that sound familiar? See, this same assignment is alive and well. Why do you think Yahweh gave Shabbat? And it's, it's one, we need the, we need the rest. We need the break, but there's more to it. And it's about relationship. It's about t- setting this time aside to honor Him and to bless Him and to spend the time with Him and His people. So we've got a lot of stuff to get into today. It's going to start with this when you uh, talk about Shabbat, especially to, to some people who, who don't observe to do these other things. Um, one of the things that you find is, yeah, but uh, Yeshua said he was the Lord of the Sabbath, right? So what does that have to relate to anything with the Sabbath? I mean, if he's the Lord of the Sabbath, then why do I need to keep Sabbath? That's kind of a weird question. <laughs> he says he's the Lord of Shabbat. That doesn't mean he did away with it. It means he is even the ruler within it. He is the one who rules in that spot. So again, it doesn't mean that he changed his mind on what is to be done that day or how it is to be honored or anything else. And, and more so, Yeshua came to show us, I did not come to change the Torah or the prophets or to do away with any of the Torah or the prophets, but I came to fulfill, to show how we are to walk in his ways, to show how we are to observe the heart of the Father. If we can just understand that when Yahweh gave his Torah to his people, it was to a people whom he had already redeemed. Yahweh said when he brought his people out of Mitzrayim that he redeemed them. Once he redeemed them, then he gave them his word to show how to walk in his heart, walk in his ways. See, it's the same with us. Once he redeems you, this is the word. Read it. Follow me. You know? And so how do we follow him? 
Well, we have to learn his ways to follow him, right? So Shabbat, what was it for? Like we address, okay, the Shabbat was made for man, not man for Shabbat. But yet Yahweh set it apart and sanctified it when it was created and established in just the creating of everything. Look, the seventh day is holy for you. It's a time that was set apart for you. The Shabbat was made for man, but it belongs to Yahweh. That's why Yeshua said he was the Lord of the Sabbath, because it was for you, but it belongs to him. And so these times that belong to him, matter of fact, guys, I think it would be safe for us to say everything belongs to him. Yes? Well, if it belongs to him, then don't we want to partake in these things and how he said we should honor him in that? I got a lot of scripture for you today. Leviticus 19.30 says, you shall keep, what's it say? My Sabbath. And reverence my sanctuary, I am Yahweh. This is, this is just beyond the Mishkan, the tabernacle that was set in the place where he says my sanctuary that is there. But yet the sanctuary is also you. You are a place for the presence of Yahweh to dwell. And the Shabbat is also a sanctuary. It's a time that the rest of the week is set apart and that we can have a sanctuary in the midst of it. Joshua, I'll get a lot of ring up here. Can you help me out on that? Uh, Ezekiel 20. 19 and 20 says, I am Adonai, your God. Walk in my statutes, keep my ordinances, and do them. Keep what? My Shabbatot. That's plural. My Sabbath. Keep my Shabbatot holy, so that they will be a sign between me and you, that you will know that I am Adonai, your God. See this? He doesn't say you keep the Sabbath so that you can make yourself holy. He says you keep Shabbat so that we will know that he is Yahweh who sanctifies us. We're acknowledging he is the one who sanctifies us when we keep this time, when we keep this season. We're acknowledging I don't belong to me. It's a little better. We're acknowledging that I don't belong to me. I belong to him. Leviticus 23, 2. Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them, these are the appointed Moedim, the appointed times of Adonai, which you are to proclaim and be holy convocations, my Moedim. And if you say, so in Leviticus 23, what are the established times and seasons that Yahweh had given? Well, most people, they start off with Passover because, well, Passover is the first one listed there, right? <clears throat> Not exactly. The first one listed there is Shabbat. Because he says, you know, it, uh, right, right immediately, the next, the next verse three, you know, verse three. So six days you work, the seventh is Shabbat, before you even get to Passover. Okay, so that is a decision of entering into that place that he has set aside for you. That's a decision to say, I will follow him, not my own will, but I will follow him and what he has declared for this day, for these times, for this seasons. Let's go over to Mark. Mark 2, 23. So now it happened on Shabbat, Yeshua was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way, plucking the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not permitted on Shabbat? And he said to them, haven't you read what David did when he was in need and, he, and those with him became hungry? How, it, how he entered into the house of God when Aviathar the Kohen, uh, the Kohen Gadol, and ate the showbread, which is permitted only for the Kohenim to eat. And he gave some even to those who were with him. Then he said, Shabbat was made for man, not man for Shabbat. So the son of man is Lord, even of Shabbat. So here's the thing, guys. A couple things to notice. One, was there truly a violation here? Well, you're not supposed to work on Shabbat. But let me ask you, you're walking through, there's fields here and there's, there's grain here and you go like this. Is that work? <laughs> have you ever walked through a wheat field? I have. You just go like this. You're done. Is that work? That's not work. That's not a violation of working. Are you permitted to eat on Shabbat? Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and it's not like they just packed lunch and brought it with them everywhere. You know, there was no true violation here. But Yeshua brought a point to where they were at. And he said, look, 
The preservation of life is always the good thing that we're supposed to do here. When there's a need, mercy is the, quote, rule that is established here. People are hungry, they're allowed to eat. Okay. Now that didn't mean they were going to go, Oh, I'm hungry. Let's go find a restaurant, sit down and do this, you know, kind of thing. No, but they were there with, along with all the wheat and they grabbed food and they ate it, which they were permitted to do anyway, because there were gleanings of the field for the people that were walking through there. Okay. So there was no violation on any degree that was given here. In Luke 14, we see Yeshua went into the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees to eat a meal on Shabbat and they were watching him closely as they often did. And there before him was a man swollen with fluid. So Yeshua says to the Torah lawyers and the Pharisees, is it permitted to heal on Shabbat or not? Notice the question was not healing. The question was not, is it permitted to heal? The question was, is it permitted to heal on Shabbat? Hmm. And they kept silent. (laughs) I wonder why. So Yeshua took hold of him and he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he said to them, which of you with a son or an ox falling into a well on Shabbat will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Why? Because Yeshua was right. You know, that's why you you see the idea of, you know, if an ox falls in a ditch, you know, you save it. You know, like an ox falls in the ditch. You're like, well, you're going to have to sit there till after sundown, sir. If an animal falls in the ditch, if an animal's in distress, an animal's in danger, you set, you helped it, you set it out. But again, that we're talking preservation of life. We're not talking about convenience. There is a difference. And so we're talking about these. Mark 3, 1 through 5. Yeshua entered the synagogue again, and a man with the withered hand was there. And now some were carefully watching him to see if he would heal him on Shabbat, that they may accuse him. Can you imagine? You know, we're waiting to see if he heals them so we can accuse them. What mindset? But again, the issue was not, is he going to heal the man? The issue was healing him on Shabbat. Because, you know, obviously that's work. No, that's preservation of life. That's restoration. That's showing the heart of the Father to the people. Who of you can can be in need on any day of the week and be in need and crying out to Yahweh and Yahweh saying, Oh, it's Sabbath. Can you wait till tomorrow? It doesn't work. No. When you need him, he's there. And the same. So he said to the man with the withered hand, stand up here to the center. And he said, is it permitted on Shabbat to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? And they kept silent. (laughs) You see that quite a bit, don't you? (laughs) And they kept silent. (laughs) And after looking around at them with anger, grieved by their hardness of heart, he says to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched out his hand and the man was restored. So again, Shabbat is to do good. Shabbat is is a time to show the heart of the Father. It's a time for restoration. But what does that mean? And further, is this just an Old Testament thing that we see? No, this was Yeshua walking and doing and doing these things, right? And if we believe that the word of Yahweh is from the very beginning to the very end, then when did these things change? Matter of fact, let's put it this way. When did Yahweh change? He doesn't. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, speaking of Yeshua, right? And we read, of Yahweh says, I am, I am Yahweh's of oath. I change not. So if he doesn't change, at what point does he say, well, I know I did these things, but they're a little hard. So I'm just going to say they don't need to worry about it. Does Yahweh change the standard of righteousness because we fall short? Or does he change us and give us his spirit to allow us to walk in his heart and in his ways? Does he make you righteous so that you can walk with him? It's not what you can do. It's what he does, right? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, right? So let me ask you a question. When this letter was written, what was considered scripture? The Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. What we would call the Brihad Hashah or the, the New Testament, Renewed Covenant, however you want to put it, was not written and put in canon yet. So when the scripture says scripture, it means the Tanakh, the Old Testament. 
And so here we read, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. Was Shabbat observed differently in the New Testament, in the Brit Hadashah? No. Did Yeshua observe it? Yes. Did the disciples observe it? Yes. Did Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul? Yes. Let's keep going. Look at a couple of things. Isaiah 66, 22 and 23. For as the, what's the next word? New heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says Yahweh. So shall your seed and your name remain. So this is a, a prophetic time to come, yes? The new heavens and the new earth. Are we there? No. If this is the new heavens and the new earth, we are in for a world of hurt. This is not the new heavens and the new earth. So he says, in the new heavens and the new earth, which he will make. Then verse 23, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, that's Rosh Chodesh, from one new moon to another, and from one Shabbat to another, shall who? All flesh come to worship before me, says Yahweh. Shall who? All flesh shall come and worship before Yahweh. So there is a time coming when all will come and, and honor Yahweh and be in that time. Hmm. We're not there yet, are we? No. Look at Colossians. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. How many of you have heard Colossians used in context of saying we, we shouldn't keep the festivals? You know, it's actually saying the, other, the, the complete opposite of that. Because Colossians 2, 16 and 17 says, Don't let anyone judge you in eating or in drinking or in part of a feast or of a new moon or of Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the coming things, but the body are of, are of the Messiah. So we know that the feast and the Moedim and all these things point to Yeshua. Yes, these are shadows of Yeshua, shadows of things that are to come. But yet, at what point is a shadow gone and disappearing? I mean, it's it's there and it's a part of uh, you, part of the person. And it doesn't mean that he changed them either. And what he's saying here in Colossians, it's not don't let anybody judge you in your non-observance of these things or your lack of these things. He's saying don't let anybody judge you in your observance of these things. And so again, if he says don't let anybody judge you in your observance of these things, does that mean it's still relevant? Yes. Hebrews 4. 1 through 11. Therefore, let us fear, lest perhaps a promise having been left to enter into his rest, that any of you may seem to come short. For indeed, we have heard the gospel preached to us, even as they also. But the word did not profit those hearing it, not having been mixed with faith in the ones who heard. Uh, see with us. What he's saying is that we can get to a point in our lives where we hear the word, but don't have the faith to believe it and walk in it. And if that's the case, it's not going to do us any good. When we hear the word, we accept it in faith, and that means we walk in it. That means we live it. We do it. Verse 3, For we, the ones believing, enter into the rest, even as he said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest, though the works had come into being from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken somewhere about the seventh day this way, and God rested from all his works in the seventh day. Verse 5, and in this again, they shall not enter into my rest, quoting Psalm 95, 11. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter into it, and those who formerly had the gospel preached did not enter on account of disobedience, he again marks out a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time, according as he had said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua gave them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken about another day. So what other day? Verse 9. So then there remains a Sabbath rest to the people of God. For he entering into his rest, he himself also rested from his works as God had rested from his own. Therefore, let us exert ourselves to enter into the rest. Does that make sense? Let us exert ourselves to enter into rest, that not anyone fall in the same example of disobedience. It means let us make an effort 
to do what Yahweh has established for us. Make an effort to walk in his ways. Make an effort to stop doing our own thing and saying, God, I'm going to do my own thing and you have to bless it. No, he doesn't. We're saying, Yahweh, I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. So I'm going to put all these other things back and I'm going to follow you in your heart, in your ways. As, a, as another example, <clears throat> Yeshua is our example, right? Obviously, yes. Yeshua is our example in all things. But where was Yeshua on Shabbat? You know, you read stories, you say, well, he was out in the fields and he was in the temple. He was all these. Yes, he was. Absolutely. But we do see some record of some things that were given here. Where was Yeshua on Shabbat? Mark 1.21. So they entered Capernaum, Capernaum, and on Shabbat, Yeshua went to the synagogue and he began teaching. Mark 6.2. And when the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished. Luke 4.16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Shabbat and he said, what does it mean when it says his custom? What's a custom? A custom is the way you do things. It's just the way you do it. You know, you and your family, whatever, we all have customs. It's just the way you do it. Well, him, as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on Shabbat, and he went. He wanted to read and be involved in the, in the service. Luke 4.31, he came down to Capernaum, city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath. <clears throat> Luke 6.6, 6, came to pass on another Shabbat. He entered into the synagogue and taught, and there was a man whose right hand was withered. Luke 13.10, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on Shabbat. We can see in Acts 13, 14, speaking of Shaul and those who were with him, that they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and they went to the synagogue on Shabbat. Hmm. Acts 13, 44. And the next Shabbat came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Wow. <laughs> that would be something to see, wouldn't it? The whole city to come together to hear the word of God. That would be amazing. Acts 15, 21. We covered this last week, actually. You know, Yaakov was speaking, James. says, For Moses of old time, as in every city of them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Shabbat, go to the synagogues on Shabbat to hear the Torah taught. Acts 18.4, And he reasoned in the synagogue every Shabbat and persuaded the Jews and the Greek. Hmm. So what is Shabbat? What is Shabbat? Well, does it just mean stop? Yeah, but there's a little more to it. Shabbat means an intermission. Are you familiar with what an intermission is? What's an intermission? Something in the middle of something else, you just, it's a time to stop, right? Okay. But a little, a little further in, Shabbat means to cease and desist. <laughs> what are we stopping? What are we doing? Right? So let's, let's look at a few of these things. Leviticus 23, 1 and 2, which is what we addressed. Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them concerning the feast of Yahweh, these appointed times of Yahweh, you are to proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my Feast. So feast is the word moed. Moed is the word feast. It means an appointment, a fixed time, something that is set. You know, we said that uh, Shabbat, it's, it's a set time where Yahweh has established he wants to meet with you. You know, if you have something important that you need to do with somebody, you set up a meeting and you put it on a calendar, right? So that way you're reminded when the time comes, you're going to be where you need to be when you need to be there. Well, that's a moed. It is an appointed time. And then he says they are holy convocations. What is a convocation? A convocation where Mikra is a public assembly. It's a public called out assembly. You know, even like a public reading of something. It's a, that would be the same word be used, Mikra. So, so for the Shabbat, it is an established time and season that Yahweh said and established, and it's not hidden. <laughs> it's, it's, it's there for you to see. And it's, it's a called out time for a called out people. And as we established before, who does it belong to? It belongs to Yahweh. 
because these are the, uh, the designated times of Adonai, these designated times of Yahweh. He says, these are my designated times. If they are his designated times, he wants us to partake with him in these times. He put the date on the calendar and he wants to meet with us on that day. Are we going to put the date on our calendar and meet him there? See, with or without you, Shabbat's going to happen. Are we going to be faithful to meet with Yahweh when he says, you know, how many people cry out the rest of the week or cry out for their life? Yahweh, I just want to meet you. I just want to experience you. I just want to do these things. And Yahweh said, on Shabbat, you can meet me. Now, granted, he can be there every single day, okay? I'm not saying that the only time you can see him is on Shabbat. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is he put down on a calendar a time to meet with you. And if we're crying out for Yahweh to meet us, but yet we're not willing to go meet him when he says he wants to meet us, what are we doing? Look, when is Shabbat? You know, how many of you have heard that? So when is it, right? You know, this was kind of the question that started the slippery slope for me. <laughs> Did it change? Was it still relevant? When is it? Everything else, right? Yahweh never changed it. He never changed it. Let's look at a couple things. Shabbat is from the word Sheva. Sheva means seven, right? Sheva means seven. From the word Sheva, which means to charge with an oath, something that is complete or to charge with an oath. So when is Shabbat? It is a cycle and it was established from Yahweh by a declaration from him, right? You could say he keeps his word, right? Look at this. Exodus 16, 26. When Yahweh brought the people out of Mitzrayim, brought them into the wilderness, and then he gave them manna, right? What did he tell them? Six days you gather and collect the manna. But on the seventh day, which is Shabbat? He didn't just say in the seventh day. He said, but the seventh day, which is Shabbat, there will be no manna. So remember, he told them on the sixth day you collect twice as much, because on the seventh day, it will not be there. How many people do you think argued with him? No, 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 that's not the seventh day. Guess what? They can argue all they wanted. But when the time came to get the manna, it wasn't there. He established it. Six days you gather the manna. Six days you collect it. So how did they know when the seventh day was? Because there was no manna. There was no argument. There was no, there was, it was there. Yahweh established it. He said it in his people. And all the way back at the beginning, Genesis 2, 2 and 3. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he made, and he rested. When it says he rested, we think rest like we need rest. You know, we've worked hard, we're exhausted, we need to rest, right? That's not what happened with Yahweh. The, when it says he rested, what it means, he ceased working. It's not like he was so tired he had to quit and said, well, that's good enough. To, to, he, he ceased his work. He ceased his labor, and then, in, and then he enjoyed what he had created. And so he ceased it, and then he blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it. He blessed it. He sanctified it. Because in that day, he ceased creating from all his work that he had done and that he had made. Think about this for a second as well. Adam was created on what day? You guys know this one. What day was Adam created? Sixth day, right? So he was created on the sixth day. That means the very first full day that he experienced was Shabbat. Isn't that amazing? The very first full day he experienced was this rest at Shabbat and being in the presence of Yahweh there. He blessed it and set it apart and sanctified it and then spent that time with him. Now, if you want a little more, what about the days of the week? What do we call them? I'm not talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. In the Bible, what are the days of the week called? Let's look at it. First day one, Yom Rishon. You want to know what Yom Rishon means? First day, right? Okay, how about this one? Yom Shni. You want to know what Yom Shni means? Second day. Okay, okay, but you're going to get this one now. All right, you're going to get this one. Yom Shlishi. 
What's Yom Shlishi? All right, you're on a roll. Third day, we're doing good so far, all right? Yom Revi'i, what's Yom Revi'i? Fourth day, fourth day, okay, all right. Yom Hamashi, fifth day, all right, we're doing good, okay? Yom Shishi, what's that? Sixth day, what do you think the next one is? Shabbat. <laughs> it's not, you know, <laughs> day seventh, the seventh day. No, it's Shabbat. So even the name of the days of the week is day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, Shabbat. So what day is Shabbat? How about the one that's named it? Think about it, right? Exodus 20.10. The seventh day is Shabbat of Yahweh your God. In it you shall not do any, any, any work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, nor your cattle, your stranger that is within your gates. Exodus 31.14. Keep Shabbat, therefore, for it is a holy unto you. Notice he didn't just say it makes you holy. No, it is holy to you. He said, he set it apart and sanctified it as holy, and so we set it apart and sanctify it as holy because he did it. And even if you don't, he still did it. Exodus 31.15, six days work will be done, but the seventh is what? Shabbat of rest, holy to the Lord. So again, notice and, and keep the Sabbath and, and honor it and keep it and remember and observe it, all that. It's a double-sided command. It's six days you work, and then the seventh is holy and set apart and you cease the working. So it's not like six days don't do anything and then seventh day you stop it. <laughs> the six days you work. And then the seventh day is Shabbat. You cease from your working, following your things that you were doing and establishing in the earth to follow the heart of the Father and the things that he has established. in Exodus 35, 2. Six days' work is to be done, but on the seventh day it shall be to you a holy day, a Shabbat of rest to Yahweh. Whoever does work therein will be put to death. Leviticus 23, 3. Six days' work is to be done, but the seventh is a Shabbat of rest. Holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of Yahweh and all your dwellings. One of the things I can see about this, though, guys, is remember... Like Yeshua said, the preservation of life always takes preeminence no matter what day it is, you know? So you need to give CPR to someone. Sorry, it's Shabbat. Extreme example, but you get the point, don't you, right? Deuteronomy 5.14, the seventh day is Shabbat of Yahweh your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your ox, your ass, any cattle, a stranger in your gates, your manservant, your maidservant. They, they are to rest as you. So again, it's a matter of on Shabbat, it's not like, well, I'm not going to work, but I'm going to make everybody else work for me. No. You don't. Shabbat observance, it's a time for rest. It's a time for healing. It's a time for restoration. It's a time for connection. What are some of the things that we see being established for Shabbat? Well, one, a gathering with the assembly. Like we said in Leviticus 23, it's a holy convocation. It's a time for the, the gathering of the people of Yahweh. And say, okay, but when they were in the wilderness, Yahweh said to, to not leave you know, their tents or do that, right? It's just to stay home. Well, guess what, guys? When they were in the wilderness, they were already in the presence of Yahweh right there in the tabernacle, right there. Anyway, where are they going to go? You know? So again, it's just keep it in context. Like we saw in Acts 15 as well, uh, that people who were new to faith, they said, go to the synagogue of Shabbat to hear the Torah taught. That's what, you're, that's what we're supposed to do, to show the heart of the Father to do this. And again, the scriptures that we already said, like, you know, Yeshua was in the synagogues on Shabbat. Another thing is to cease work. Leviticus 23.3, work is to be done on six days, but the seventh day is a Shabbat for complete rest. Right? It says, it is a Shabbat for Adonai, even in your homes. You know what that means? Well, no one can see me here. I can do what I want. <laughs> Yahweh sees, right? Is it time to, to stop? Because we need the time of just to stop pursuing our own things and to pursue the heart of the Father. Because we can, we're so good at filling our time with different things and letting other things fill the time for us. But if we make the Shabbat a priority, we're not going to let other things creep into that time. And then we're going to follow with Yahweh in that. Jeremiah 17, 22 says, Don't carry a burden out of your houses on, on, on Shabbat. 
neither do any work, but hollow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. Jeremiah 17, 24, it shall come to pass if you diligently hearken to me, says the Lord, to bring in no burden through the gates of the city on the Sabbath day, but hollow the Sabbath, do no work there. And again, don't carry a burden on Shabbat. I believe this is double-sided thing. One, it was a literal thing. Don't carry something, you know, like it's going to be a burden for you. But at the same time, physically, mentally, spiritually, don't carry a burden on Shabbat. Pour your heart out to the Father. Meet him there. If you've, if you've got things weighing you down, get to the presence of Yahweh. Let him bring restoration to you. Let him bring the heart there. Don't carry a burden on Shabbat. You know, even if we, even if just the rest of the week, we're not, we're not setting the time aside to meet with him. We're not setting time purposefully to pray or to read or, or to speak blessings or to do things. We're just so busy with all these other things. Guess what? Seventh day, you have, you stop. Don't let all these other things that, that just occupy your time and fill you in. You know, the, the decree of Pharaoh in your life, don't let these things enter in on Shabbat for you. But meet Yahweh in this. Did Yeshua violate Shabbat? No. We already addressed this in Mark chapter 2. In Luke 6, again, while, while Shabbat was passing through the wheat fields, this time Talmud didn't begin plucking and doing this thing. Like we said, there was no violation that was being done. What about the construction of the tabernacle? In the construction of the tabernacle, I mean, let me ask you a question. Yahweh says, let them build a sanctuary for me. Let them build the tabernacle. Let them build a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell, literally the scripture says, dwell within them. Let them build a place for me so that I can dwell within them. And can you imagine, after just all the, all the signs, wonders, miracles, all these things that you had just experienced in Egypt, he brought you out, and you're seeing these amazing things. Yahweh has redeemed you and done these things. It's so exciting. He says, I want you to build me a tabernacle so that I can dwell with you and go with with you and we're going to go to the land. They're so excited. They want to build this tabernacle. And then he says, but don't forget one thing. As, as necessary as the tabernacle is, don't forget that first and foremost, you are a people that I dwell within. The tabernacle is a showing that I dwell among you, but I dwell among you. So prepare you as a place to dwell before you prepare the meeting place of a place to dwell. So as important as that is, do that in the six days. Don't don't let, just when Shabbat comes, you stop. Even in building the tabernacle, you stop. Because you can get so busy with the physical work of the doing the things that you forget why you're doing it. Again, Exodus 35, 1 and 2, Moshe sent with the whole community, the people of Israel, and he said to them, these are the things that Adonai has commanded you to do when they're building the tabernacle, right? So as important as the tabernacle was, he said, this, in six days the work is to be done, but the seventh day is holy for you, a Shabbat of rest to honor Adonai. So even in building the tabernacle, this is the this, this stop on the seventh day to honor Yahweh. They were not permitted to defile Shabbat, even to build the tabernacle. And Yahweh said, build me the tabernacle. He decreed it. He said exactly how he wanted it to be done. But even in building the tabernacle, he said, don't defile the Sabbath to build the tabernacle. Even the priestly service. The priestly service was permissible once the tabernacle was built and established on Shabbat. The priestly service was permissible on Shabbat. Why? Because the priestly service was not like working your job, going out to eat, washing your car, watching TV, doing all these other things. The priestly service was worship. You may have read where Yeshua said that the priests, they, they defile the Shabbat, but they're blameless. Why? Because it's worship. And they had to build the place for worship among the people of Yahweh. So the priestly duties in the tabernacle, it was work. It was physical, though. Imagine that being worship included in worship for the, for the, for the Levites was the morning and the evening offerings that they were to put on the altar. That's not an easy task. It takes a little bit of effort, doesn't it, Zach? Yeah. You ever had to slaughter a goat or a sheep? It's not, it's, it's not something that's just done casually. It's, it's a little bit of effort here. But they were blameless because their work was facilitating worship. Their work was allowing a means for Israel to come near. They were teaching the people of Israel. 
For the people who were learning and, and receiving, it was awesome things. But for the one teaching, it was work. They were preaching. They were teaching. They were declaring the word of Yahweh. They were making the sacrifices. They were cooking on the altar, you know, biggest barbecue you ever saw. Don't forget that. So a lot of those peace offerings, you got back some of the peace offerings that you brought, and you were to eat it in the holy place. When the worship, there was singing, and there was dancing, and there was they were performing on musical instruments, and all these things. It was a glorious thing. But it was that was also work, and it was all involved in the tabernacle. So what was work? When in the building of the tabernacle, it says, so you do all the work, but then you stop from the work, even in building the tabernacle. Now, once it was established, they could do the service, they could do the worship that was there. But this is where they get the things. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to show you something in relationship to the traditional translation of this, and, and not as a means to kind of like say, you have to do this this way. It's not what I'm getting at. But I'm telling you how, how they, it was defined historically what was work that was permitted and not permitted. And they ruled it because of the tabernacle. Anything that was done in relationship to building or putting the tabernacle together, they considered to be work. And so you didn't do that. Okay, Melecha is the word that's used there. Oral tradition is defined as creative work or craft, which was prohibited on Shabbat in terms of 39 activities involved with making the sanctuary. That's quite a list. I'm not going to go through it all. But if you want a copy of it, you can see me after. I'll get you a copy of it. Or you can take a picture you're watching online, you can screenshot it. So that makes it easy. But all of these things that were given here are things that were considered work that is not to be done on Shabbat because all of these things were involved in the building of the tabernacle. So in regard to Shabbat, we truly just see two reckonings in the Ten Commandments. So remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It's not just remember Shabbat. It's remember it to keep it holy, right? That's different. You know, one is like, oh, I look at the calendar and go, oh, I, oh, today's Shabbat. Oh, okay. And then go on and do your own thing. But it says remember Shabbat to keep it holy. That's different. That means it changes what you do that day. Guard the Shabbat to keep it holy. Deuteronomy 5.12. Do these contradict or do they further expound in the intent? It do. It do. So do you remember it or do you guard it? You do both. That's what we're showing. That's what we're getting at. We remember it by guarding it. We guard it by remembering. How can you protect something that you don't know what it is? So you remember it to guard it and keep it and protect it. Traditionally, the thought is a positive and a negative command. You shall and you shall not. You shall remember, that's what you do, and you shall guard, that's what you don't do. So again, what we do is we honor Yahweh. What we don't do is our own thing, just the things that we could do any other time of the week. We do set apart to Yahweh the times. Shabbat belongs to a category of mitzvot called edut. Edut means testimony. When we do Shabbat, when we keep Shabbat, we're giving a testimony. What are we testifying? We're testifying that I don't belong to me. I belong to someone else. Remember, Yahweh said that when we, when we set aside Shabbat, when we honor Shabbat, he says that you are to do this because I sanctify you. We're acknowledging I of myself can do nothing, but in him, I am sanctified. I am set apart. I am holy because I am his. And if I am his, I don't do just anything I want to do. If I am his, I follow him. So cease causing others to work. Like we said, you know, once, you know, you don't work, but then don't, don't make other people work for you. Deuteronomy 5, 13 to 15. You have six days of labor to do your work, but the seventh is Shabbat for Adonai your God. On it, you're not doing any kind of work. And that is who? Not you, your son, your daughter, your male, your female slave, your ox, your donkey, or any kind of other, your livestock, your foreigner staying in your gates. You, and so what does this mean? This is pretty much everybody, guys. It's like, if I'm not going to work, why am I going to make you work? No, it's Shabbat. I'm not going to work, and I'm not going to make you work on my behalf. Now, if we have a medical emergency, there are different issues. <laughs> If there are other things that require that, you know, there, there are things that can arise. But as a general, as a general acknowledgement, 
If I say, no, I don't want to work because of Shabbat, why would I say it's okay for you, right? Again, look at verse 15. It was just what we just read. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, 13 to 15, verse 15. You are to remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and Adonai your God brought you out from there with a strong hand, with an outstretched arm, and there Adonai your God has, has ordered you to keep the day of Shabbat. Nehemiah 10, 31. If the people of the lands bring merchandise or food to sell on Shabbat, we will not buy from them on Shabbat or on any holy day. We will forego planting and harvesting in our fields during the seventh year and collecting debts. Then. Again, when they were reestablishing the wall, rebuilding the city and doing these things, Nehemiah was said, guys, we need to keep the word of Yahweh. If we're going to reestablish the city, we need to reestablish according to the heart of the Father in the ways that he said is for our good. So he says, we're going to keep Shabbat. But what happened with if people decided not to? <laughs> well... 13, 19 to 21. So when the gates of Yerushalayim began to grow dark before Shabbat, I ordered that the doors be shut, and I ordered that they not be reopened until after Shabbat. So I put some of my servants in charge of the gates to see to it that no loads be brought in on Shabbat. The merchants and the sellers of all kinds of goods spent the night outside Yerushalayim once or twice. What was going on? They were coming in. They weren't honoring Shabbat. They were coming in. They were selling. They were doing just another day of business, right? Just another day of doing things, just like any other day. And Nehemiah said, guys, this is Shabbat. We're not going to do this. And they're like, you can't stop us. They're going to do it anyway. So they shut the gates and they camped out right outside the gates. <laughs> so what happened? Verse 21. So I warned them, why are you spending the night by the wall? Do it again and I'll use force against you. And from then on, they stopped coming on Shabbat. <laughs> kind of funny, isn't it? Not to seek your own ways, not to seek your own things. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 says, if you hold back your foot on Shabbat from pursuing your own interest on my holy day, if you call Shabbat a what? Delight. Adonai's holy day, worth honoring, then honor it. How? By not doing your usual things, pursuing your interests or speaking about them. If you do, you will find delight in Adonai, and I will make you ride on the heights of the land and feed you with the heritage of your ancestor, Jacob, for the mouth of Adonai has spoken it. What about this one? Seems kind of odd. Not, don't kindle a fire on Shabbat. Exodus 35.3, you shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations on Shabbat. Interesting. Why? He doesn't tell us why. He just says not to kindle a flame on Shabbat. But what does that mean? It could mean don't start a fire, literally. Notice, like on Shabbat, they kept fires going, but they didn't start new fires. But could this also have a dual meaning? Not to kindle strife, not to start fires. Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor. Titus 3, 9, 11. Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once or twice have nothing to do with him, knowing such a person is warped and sinfully self-condemned. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. There are six things that Yahweh hates, seven that are an abomination. So six things he hates, but the seventh is an abomination to him. Well, if the six things are bad enough, what's the seventh? What is it? Haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to do evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows, sows discord among them. Matthew 5, 9, Yeshua said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of That's what we're supposed to be. Ones to walk in peace thing is, you can't walk in something you don't have. If you don't have peace, if you're not willing to surrender yourself, you're not going to have peace. But if we turn to Yahweh and surrender to him, we can have peace. As a matter of fact, he is called the Prince of Peace, right? So if we surrender to him, we can have that. And if we surrender to him, how hard and how stressful is it when he says, stop working and rest and seek my face? That's such a burden, isn't it? But that's what it's for, to stop 
Everything else that distracts us, seek Yahweh. Seek his heart in that. The adversary will try to distract you from the Moedim. Do you ever notice how everything kind of blows up when you're on the way to go to a meeting? You ever notice how when the Moedim get closer, life kind of gets really difficult? The adversary will always try to distract you from the Moedim. He'll set up copies of the pure word also to draw attention and emphasis off of where Yahweh wants us to look. And we even see Psalm 74, 4. Your enemies roar in the midst of the congregations. They set up their signs for the word there, congregations, is the word moedecha, moedcha. It's the moed, the appointed times and seasons, the appointed gather. So again, distractions, hindrances, things that keep our eyes off of Yahweh. It's about as a blessing, isn't it? If we truly just stop everything and just turn to Yahweh, Shabbat is a blessing. It's a time when, let's just say, we give ourselves permission to tell everything else to wait. You know, because the rest of the week and things happen, you can't just say, nope, I'm not dealing with that not right now, right? <laughs> nope, Shabbat's a day where you have permission to just say, that can wait, and let's pursue. Look, Isaiah 56, 1 and 2. Thus says Yahweh, keep judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come, my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that does this, and the son of man that lays hold of it. Blessed is the man who does what? Who keeps Shabbat from polluting it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Blessed is the man who keeps Shabbat. Isaiah 56, 6 and 7. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves as Yahweh to serve them, to love the name of Yahweh, to be his servants. Everyone that keeps Shabbat from polluting it and takes hold of my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted on my altar. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. How many of you guys have ever heard the context? You know, my house shall be called a house of prayer for, for all people, right? But the context that that was given, that was being quoted from, was in reference to Shabbat and all nations coming to worship. Hmm. So my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people, but this is all gathering, like we read before, in the new heavens and the new earth, when all flesh shall come and worship Yahweh. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. Again, we read this a little earlier, but again, just being established back to the point. You know, keep Shabbat holy. Don't pursue your own interest. Enjoy Shabbat. Speak as a delight. And let's just walk with Yahweh in this day. Shabbat is also a sign. How is it a sign? Exodus 31, 13 to 17. Speak to the children of Israel and saying, My Shabbat you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you. For how long? Throughout your generations. For what? That you may know I am Yahweh that sanctifies you. The Shabbat is a sign that you acknowledge Yahweh is your God. He sanctifies you. He sets you apart. Shabbat is a sign for that fact. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel for how long? Forever. For in six days Yahweh made the heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Ezekiel 20, verses 10 to 13. So I led them out of Egypt into the desert, and I gave them my commands, and I taught them my laws, which bring life to anyone who obeys them. That's not the way we've often heard that. <laughs> oh, that's what Yahweh said, though. If we keep his word, they bring life to us. And again, the context of this is people whom he had already brought out as an act of redemption. So these were people who were already ready redeemed, and he gave his word to show us how to live life. I made keeping the Shabbat a sign of an agreement between us to remind them that I, Yahweh, make them holy. The purpose was to remember, you don't make you holy. Yahweh makes you. A refusal to acknowledge means you think you can do it your own way. 13. But even in the desert, they defiled me. They broke my laws and rejected my commands, which bring life to anyone who obeys them. But they completely profaned Shabbat. 
Continuing Ezekiel 20 down to verse 18. Instead, I warn the young people among them, do not keep the laws your ancestors made. Why? Because they walked away from God. Do not keep the laws your ancestors made. Do not follow their customs to defile yourself with their idols. He wasn't talking about the things he told them to do. He's telling them about the things that they did instead of doing what he told them to do. He says, I am Yahweh your God. Obey my laws and commands. Make Shabbat a holy day so that it will be a sign of the covenant we made and will remind you, I am Yahweh your God. See that? So the Sabbath is a sign and it is a sanctuary. The tabernacle was a sanctuary in space. Here we have in the earth, a literal, physical, something taking up space that we can look at and to see as a sanctuary for the presence of Yahweh. The Shabbat is a sanctuary in time. It is, it is a set, of, set apart time that we guard and we protect the presence of Yahweh, and we walk in that. The tent of meeting is called Ohel Moed, the tent of Moed, the tent of meeting. What's Moed? Like the Moedim. The appointed times are called Moed. The tent of meeting, the tent of appointment is given there. So this was an appointed time, an appointed place, an appointed space. These were given as specific appointments for Yahweh to meet with his people. Let's look at a couple things. We'll close on this. For the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting, it was a holy place that was defined limits, defined borders. You had the outer court, the inner court, and the holy place, right? It had defined borders, defined, and it was exact. It had defined borders. You went, had, had, the, had the guard that you came in, and then it had the altar in a certain place, and then it had the tent, and it had the holy place in the most holy place. It was defined borders. The Mishkan, the tabernacle, was to be holy and undefiled, and Israel was to prepare themselves before they entered into it. As you came in to worship, you walked and you approached and you brought your, your, your animal, whatever offering you brought, you came and you brought it. You prepared yourself. If you were bringing a sin offering, you couldn't just bring the, bring the animal and say, this is a sin offering. You had to pretty much repent and confess. A sin for what? That's what the priest was there for. He was there to say, so this is a sin offering. What happened? So that he knew what to do with the animal and to make sure you were repenting. You had to repent before you could bring it. Bringing the animal was not repentance. Bringing the animal was what had been done after repentance. So here, as you enter in, you prepared yourself to the presence of Yahweh. You prepared yourself to go in. You prepared yourself to make a way. Even mikvahs if needed. Mikvahs are often called baptisms. You know, if you go to Jerusalem and you go to the Temple Mount, there are mikvah pools all around the Temple Mount. Because people, they would mikvah, they would immerse, they would baptize, and then they would go and continue on to worship because it was a show that Yahweh cleanses you, that he makes you clean, that he makes you holy. You would immerse, and then you would go up and continue to worship. Same thing. Even in the priests, they had the labor that was there that they had to wash as they, as, as they were to go and enter in. Why? Same reason. They had to go and examine themselves and to wash as they prepared to enter in, understanding it is Yahweh that cleanses us, makes us clean. It is he that sets us apart, it is he that sanctifies us, and we can only enter in truly by his grace. But we prepare ourselves for that. And once you enter in, you could fully expect to meet Yahweh there. You know he was there. In the tabernacle, they had the presence with the cloud and the fire, the pillar and everything, right? You knew Yahweh was there. But what happened when they went into the land and then they, they were dispersed in the land where they all had their places and the tabernacle was in one spot. You could no longer see it in the middle of the camp. Now they had to learn how to live in faith. Now they had to learn how to live in the land that Yahweh was still with them. So how does this mean for Shabbat? Shabbat is a holy time with defined borders. Six days you work. The seventh day is Shabbat. We're told to prepare ourselves and keep it holy. 
Here's just a fact. If you do not prepare yourselves in the sixth days or on the sixth day for the seventh day, you will not enter into it. You may physically be present, but your mind is on all these other things you did, you left undone. You're not here. Six days work. Prepare to enter into it. Do the things you got to do. Get it done. That's why Friday is called preparation day. Finish everything that you left unfinished the rest of the week. And if you didn't finish now, it can wait till the first day. Prepare. More importantly, prepare your heart to enter into. This is the time that Yahweh has established. By entering into this time, you can fully do so with the expectation of meeting Yahweh. Yes, you can meet with him anytime, anywhere. He dwells within you. You can meet anytime for the presence of Yahweh. But there is a time that he has set and established to meet with you. Can we say, okay, so the seventh day of Shabbat, we're to honor him, we're to bless him, we're to be, you know, to meet with him and be in his presence. We're like, no, God, sorry, I have my calendar on the fifth day. You weren't there. No, no. Furthermore, we, we could say, yeah, but my Sabbath is, no, no, it's his Sabbath. What about, okay, but we worship on the first day of the week. Great. Worship him every day of the week. Do it. There's nothing wrong with it. You should worship him every day. But it doesn't change what day Shabbat is. It doesn't change what he established. It doesn't change what he set. And I can guarantee you, you'll notice the difference. You'll notice the difference. One, it's just plain obedience. But the other it's connecting your heart with his. Because the Shabbat, it's not just for you, but it's for those who are watching you. It's a testimony that you belong to Yahweh. And what does the scripture tell us? That people are watching you. And by watching you, you will either profane his name or bless his name. And what does scripture tell us? To live your life in such a way where people look at you and they see the good works that you do and they glorify your father that is in heaven. Live your life in a way where even if they speak bad about you, they really can't say anything bad about you. Think about Daniel. Can you imagine the only thing they can find wrong with Daniel is, well, he prays a lot. Turn our hearts to the Father. Seek him in these times. and in the Learn to see the blessings that he has for you in his times. And learn to see the blessings that he has just waiting to, to be in your presence. He wants to meet with you. And further, he wants you to be a testimony to those that are seeking him. Too. And he wants us to live our lives in a way to honor and glorify him. Why? So that his kingdom can be established. Do good on Shabbat. As much as is possible, do good on Shabbat. Look for the opportunities to bless one another and look for ways to pursue the heart of the Father. Amen.